Welcome home home to to the Loving Consciously Podcast. My name is Amanda. And my name is Eric. And if you are like us, nobody Nobody taught taught you how how to love. love. We are best friends and life partners here to vulnerably and authentically share our seven-year journey to unconditional love. Our mission is to help you learn how to love consciously in all of your relationships so we can journey together towards a more effective, intentional, and fulfilling way of giving and receiving love. Loving Loving Consciously. Together, we have overcome neurodivergence, mental health, addiction, pregnancy loss, infidelity, and grief. After six years, the lack of knowledge on how to heal or love each other through these challenges led to our separation. After us both spiritually awakening and recommitting, we built our new conscious partnership founded on unconditional love and a commitment to personal growth. Thank you for joining us as we put it all out there to show you the duality of our love's pain and beauty. And remind you that you have both the capacity to love consciously and the power to always Always choose love. Welcome and thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate you sharing your time and energy with us. And today is a really special day because today, as we are recording this, is our... Seven year anniversary. Seven years. And I can't think of a better way to celebrate than starting this journey together. Absolutely. We're very excited to share our story with you and show you that it is okay to talk about vulnerable things. It is okay to talk about your relationships and share your struggles and your beauty. It's not all one-sided. And the sooner we all get on board with doing that, the closer we can get to loving one another in a deeper way and healing the relationships that we have. Mm. So true. So we wanted to start with why we are doing this and a really, really quick who we are. We have a little labels activity we want to do with y'all. And then we're going to go ahead and get into our story. This will be a three-part episode. The first part will be the first three years of our relationship back in our hometown in Arizona. And then the second episode will be the next three years of our relationship in our current home state of Oregon. And then our third episode will be us talking about this year specifically, how we journeyed to conscious love, how we became conscious and formed a conscious partnership, which we will talk about. And each episode thereafter is going to be a mix between an educational high vibe tip on new age relationship tools applied to all types of relationships not just romantic mixed in with our story and a lot of our fun banter so let's go ahead and get started my name is eric i am a creative introverted quirky fun loving individual and i have a huge passion for sustainability architecture design and I love very, very deeply. My name is Amanda, and I am a passionate, spicy, loving, extroverted woman with a passion for helping other people and sharing my story. And together, we are best friends, life partners, twin flames, mission buddies, co-business partners, co-puppy parents to four beautiful, amazing dogs. And we're doing this because... We are two passionate individuals that fell in love at first sight. And over the course of our seven-year journey, we found ourselves in some pretty unhealthy patterns, have survived and overcome so much together, and we've grown and flourished over this last year working deeply on ourselves 
And during some of our darkest times when we were getting ready to uh, give up, we were looking for help. And a lot of the information that we came across and tried didn't help. (laughs) And so we're on a mission here to let you in on our journey, the beauty and the pain of it, so that you can see even some of the darkest things can be healed and there's hope. Yeah, absolutely. There's always hope. We have a little activity that we wanted to do really quickly and just want to preface that by saying we are not listing off this ginormous list of words to in any way insinuate that that's what this podcast is about. This podcast is about helping you learn how to consciously love every single person in your life. And we're just trying to kind of make a point here of some of the things that in addition to, you know, grief and addiction and mental health and all of those, like all of the things that we have overcome and some of the labels that we had to fight through to get to this conscious partnership. So we'll go ahead and get into that. And we're just going to spitfire these off in no particular order. Some of them apply to one or both of us. Um, I'm sure as the show goes on, you'll be able to figure out which ones are who. So let's get started. Anxiety. Depression. PTSD. Autism. OCD. Narcissism. Borderline. RSD. Drug addict. ADHD. Bipolar. Pathological liar. PMDD. Sex addiction. Felon. Intimacy avoidant. Insomniac. Shame spiraler. Reactively violent. Codependent. So as you can see, again, the purpose of this is to help show you that we have overcome a lot. We have overcome a lot of trauma. We have overcome a lot of toxicity and unhelpful patterns in our relationship. And we've overcome all of those labels as well. Not that we personally identified with all of those labels. Some of them were given to us by others or the system or society. But that's what we come here today with is a message of hope and a message that all of those words, all of those toxic patterns and all of those things listed in our introduction can be overcome. They absolutely can. Now, let's go ahead and get into our story, starting with our first three years together back in Arizona. Yeah, we met. (laughs) And if you don't know about my story, I have my own solo podcast called the Tiny Hat Energy Podcast, where I talk about my story more in depth. But we met two weeks after I got out of prison. And we met in summer school because my probation officer required me to enroll in school because at the time as a felon I certainly was not going to be able to easily get a job and I was a psych major and enrolled in a summer course what class was that Uh, I believe that class was human sexuality dear yeah yeah it was (laughs) we met in sex class which is really really funny especially because my lovely counterpart here was pretty innocent and pretty shy and kind of going back to that us having very different lives very different backgrounds very different personalities we are really that yin and yang absolutely you are 100% the yin to my yang we met when I was 20 believe you were 23 at the time and when I walked into the room and I saw you my heart just about stopped yeah same I knew immediately on a cellular level that my counterpart my twin flame whatever you want to call it will my soulmate walked in 
And it's really interesting because it wasn't a positive reaction. (laughs) Um, It was actually terrifying. And if there's anyone out there who's kind of had that really instant, I don't even think love at first sight kind of describes it. It's just this instant knowing in the depths of your soul that your entire eternity has just walked in. While that may feel like it would be a really positive, encouraging, happy moment, just where I was in my life and really the reality of wow, this is actually happening and this person has just walked in the room was terrifying. Yeah, and the only way I can describe it is a deep energetic pull. And I I just had to talk to you. And I remember going down and sitting, uh, asking if I could sit next to you. And you said no. Uh, no. And that's, yes, and I absolutely do not understand sarcasm. My brain just does not process it. And I was like, oh, great. She's joking with me. I'll just sit down. And it's really interesting because we started as friends and I was actually dating someone else at the time. And we were best friends and just really fostered this deep, intimate friendship. After about two months of that and just talking all day, every day and really vulnerably bearing our souls about who we were and where we came from. We started dating seven years ago today, August 15th, 2016. And you asked me to be your girlfriend and it started such an unbelievably wild whirlwind romance, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, how does one capture the depth of what we've experienced over the last seven years in our relationship in a podcast intro? We're going to do our best to cover it over the next three parts and give you a little bit of a taste of the passion and connection and conscious love. I think it's really important to save some space here and relay the essence and the gravity of how drastically different we are how drastically different up to meeting our lives and our upbringings were because that comes right into talking about your parents, which is a really big part of our story. And so I come from a very different background than you do. I'll let you kind of share a little bit about your background first. I grew up in a traditional Catholic Hispanic family. I went to Catholic school up all the way through until high school and saving myself for marriage when we met. My childhood was chaotic. I'm the child of an addict and both of my parents struggled with mental health. And I'm not sitting here and saying that my childhood was awful. I just did not grow up with the traditional mom and dad are married and religion was not something I grew up with, particularly in my home. And I was, you know, my mother was an exotic dancer. And so I grew up in an environment where sex was not only openly talked about, but health sexual interactions were encouraged. And I grew up in a family environment that was very sheltered, very close-knit, and didn't have a lot of experiences with other interpersonal relationships. Yeah, so you can kind of see we are very different people with very different lives. I came into this relationship with a lot of trauma coming fresh out of prison and being about at that point 18 months into recovery so it was really just this kind of unexpected match and the last thing in the entire world I would have ever pictured for myself. Yeah absolutely so we met we had this extremely undeniable connection we built a friendship over the course of a couple months and then started dating. And very quickly into our relationship, we had an extremely profound experience that we now understand 
was our third eye is connecting. We were sitting on our bed. We were kissing intimately and decided to, out of nowhere, put our foreheads together. And in an instant, both of us were teleported outside of our bodies and experienced the same vision and the same deep knowing of love like we knew each other from many many past lives yeah and i don't know much about you know the whole twin flame soulmate i think those words are really misunderstood but what i can say is in that moment i knew with every fiber of my being that i was going to spend the rest of my life with you and that you were so deeply intertwined into my soul and my heart and my psyche that you were my person and from that point forward it catapulted pretty quickly our connection has always been really strong very intimate anyone who comes around us or interacts with us can kind of see that and within five months of dating we were engaged and living together and I want to go ahead and tell the story of our engagement and how that came to be before we kind of get into where the trauma and difficulties of our relationship started. So for our engagement, (laughs) again, folks, if you didn't pick up on the last one, Eric does not pick up on sarcasm very well. And it took me several years, probably five or six years to really understand that and to adjust my behavior accordingly. But we had a night and it was actually my partner before Eric, um, before prison, had passed of an overdose. And it was his birthday and I was really sad and grieving and that brought up some feelings of insecurity in Eric. And I had grabbed his face in my hands and said, sweetheart, I would marry you right now. And this beautiful man here woke up the next morning, went and spent $300, his whole savings, on buying me this adorable little sapphire ring and showed up at my mom's house, asked me to come outside and got down on his knee and asked me to marry him. And I said no. And he asked again. And he essentially told me that he wasn't getting up until I said yes. And he didn't (laughs) and after several your crazies and your parents are going to lose their shit and you're in college we have no money and I'm not Catholic and all of the I'm getting emotional talking about this millions of reasons that I could come up with that my mind and my ego could come up with to protect me of the potential of this not working you stayed solid in your resolve and I finally said yes (laughs) And I am so glad that I don't understand sarcasm (laughs) for that moment right there. It was just this moment of clarity of knowing that this is my person and we're meant to do life together. And no matter how much fear there was in my heart, in your heart, on a deep cellular level, we knew that. Look at where we're at now. Yeah. And this is a really great segue into, you know, those first few months were really beautiful and were really intimate and had a lot of profound experiences, but it wouldn't be our authentic story if we didn't paint the entire picture and your parents are not supportive of our relationship. And I'm going to let Eric talk a little bit about that because that's 
a little bit of your truth to tell but what I can say from my perspective is we have been together for seven years I can count on one hand how many time I've, times I've talked to my in-laws and more specifically I believe your mother has spoken one sentence to me ever and we don't have communication with them currently they're not an active part of our lives or my life and that trauma and that situation which has been you know years and years of of conflict but in the beginning was really impactful and really profoundly effective our relationship yeah the situation with my parents was a defining moment Uh, i remember the night we were sitting in the truck together and i was so excited to go tell them that i had met you and that i have found the love of my life and the person that i meant to be with That night, I went to go tell them. They were not approving of the relationship, and that caused great conflict, both in Amanda and I's relationship and in my relationship with my parents. For a great deal of time there, I was playing the middleman, trying to make sure everybody was happy, people-pleasing, and denying myself and denying my truth the whole time. Yeah, I feel like this is a really good time to mention too that this is where the patterns of dishonesty started. Trying to protect me from what they were saying or the the rejection that was coming on that side of the coin. And it really just was such a sad time because this was this, you know, deep knowing on both of our parts that like, this is my future, this is my family, this is my person, and knowing really deeply and quickly that your parents were not going to be a part of that. And they never have been, and I can't say what will happen in the future, but I can say at this point, seven years in, there's absolutely no relationship there between any of us currently. That was really impactful and is still something that I think is something that we live with, but it is something that we've overcome and I really just want to spread this message to people, especially, you know, there's two different perspectives here, right? There's the one that's not accepted by the family and then the one that has this family that they, you know, you don't choose your family and they don't accept your partner. And so my message would be, To those of you that are in a relationship where you deeply love your partner and their family is not approving, to love yourself enough to know your worth and to love yourself enough to understand that those people's opinions of you or your relationship is not your burden to carry. Love always wins and choosing love is always the right decision. And my message to those of us whose family is not supportive of their relationship is that it's okay to follow your heart. It's okay to know and live your truth because nobody else's emotions or opinions are your responsibility. Your responsibility is to yourself and to the ones that you love. Mm, Yeah. All while this is going on, getting engaged and dating and becoming best friends and dealing with the situation with your parents, we're only six months in at this point, and we are both college students. You are like triple full-time doing architecture school, which is very rigorous, and I am triple full-time working, going to school, on probation, trying to, you know, pay off debt and drug fines and doing all of the things that come with rebuilding a life after prison and navigating recovery outside of prison. It's really, I think, important to kind of show people where we came from. Those first few apartments that we lived in were roach infested. 
I think our rent was like $600 and that was a struggle. I remember months where we would pay all of our bills and have like $20 left over to our name and living off of, you know, financial aid and credit and the help that we were getting from our families. And it just was a really stressful time. Absolutely. The first couple of years that we were together, we were going through all the stresses of school, work, health problems, and our past, you know, working through to create the life that we wanted. And so those were two years of deep, deep work um, in, in the 3D and just grinding. I mean, two, three jobs, going to school, staying up all night. You know, we had different shifts. And so we were like ships passing in the night. Hardly got to spend time with one another. I remember when going out uh, once a month was our treat to spend time with each other. And so not only were we going through a lot, but we also didn't have a lot of time to foster our connection. And so in these first two years is where a lot of our deep-seated unhealthy patterns started. And we will get much more into detail as we move through our story in, in later episodes, but during this time is when the first round of infidelity and dishonesty occurred. And I was bringing in some pretty unhealthy patterns from scars that I had as a child and methods of escapism that I created to not deal with uncomfortable feelings and difficult situations. What that looked like for me was an addiction to masturbation and getting the sexual release, that idea of intimacy that I had created and was comfortable with at the time because I was unfamiliar with cultivating relationships with other humans. Amanda was the first one that I really truly started to get intimate with and for me that was scary. I've always had a deep-rooted fear of rejection and so when things got difficult in our relationship, my mind at the time projected that I wasn't enough and that I was going to get rejected. And so I started looking for validation outside of my relationship. I started talking to other women. I downloaded a secret Tinder and was hoping to get that connection that at the time I was lacking in our relationship because of difficult times and because I wasn't coming and bringing my best self to cultivate that relationship and cultivate that intimacy. It's super vulnerable. And I just want to save some space for that because vulnerability is something that naturally comes pretty easy to me. And intimacy is something that, at least in this relationship, has holistically been much easier for me. And so I just wanted to save some space for the courage that it took for you to kind of share that and share my side of, you know, my unhealthy patterns. I was very codependent at the time. I was struggling mentally with anxiety and depression and mood issues and, you know, trying to stabilize from addiction and extensive trauma that was unhealed that I talk a lot about in detail in my podcast. But I, you know, was so deeply unable to love myself and so I held you to this incredibly high standard of needing you to meet all of my needs but not being able to meet them myself and also not having this deep 
ability to love your partner in the way that they needed to be loved. And at this point, there's just such low levels of, I feel like, self-awareness and self-knowledge in both of us. At this point, almost none of those labels were addressed, understood, or even conceptualized. Like, I remember so many times, you know, thinking, wow, he communicates so differently than anyone I've ever talked to. And I remember telling you, like, have you ever thought about this? And I remember these extreme reactions to perceived rejection. And um, that's called RSD, rejection sensitivity dysphoria. If anybody is um, wondering what that is, it's common in autism. And I just want to save space and, and be authentic here that I had a lot of really unhealthy patterns and really had no identity. And that's kind of the core, right, of of our ultimate pattern was we both made the relationship our identity. And that is obviously unhealthy and not sustainable. And we actually made it six years of that, six years of, you know, fighting through that. Yes, and this was a trap that we fell into for six years until we were conscious enough to start recognizing the patterns and frankly, until the suffering got intense enough that we had to. And our mission is to share with you our vulnerable story so that it doesn't have to take you that long to recognize the patterns in yourself and in your relationships and start working on them. Because while at the time, this discovery of infidelity, the emergence of our baggage coming into the relationship was an opportunity for those things to be healed and an opportunity to take a deeper look at what we're bringing to the table, what we have to work on, and how we can support each other through that. And so after this first bout of infidelity and dishonesty, we both sat with each other. We sat in the relationship, we sat in the emotions, and although it was painful, we decided to recommit. We knew in our hearts that our love was stronger than our mistakes. And this kind of really leads up to right around the two-year mark, we got married, we had a beautiful wedding, and we went on a very, very small, quick, cheap honeymoon to San Diego. We obviously could not afford a honeymoon. And in that third and final year of Arizona, there really isn't much to share. The entire year feels like a blur. Yeah, during this time, I was finishing my last year of a master's equivalent in architecture, working on my thesis, working two jobs, and I was still struggling with these unhealed patterns of compulsive masturbation and intimacy avoidance and my mental health. The reality is that the situation with my parents and that unhealed relationship, along with having to face the infidelity in my own relationship and the lack of intimacy that I was cultivating at the time, really led to a decline in my mental health. I was struggling with depression, suicidal ideations. I remember the night I was sitting in a ball on the floor, clawing at my face and my neck, having a complete mental breakdown and sitting in shame and sitting in the projections of the delusions that I was believing, that my mind was telling me that I wasn't worthy, that 
my parents didn't love me, that my friends didn't care about me, that I was never going to be good enough to finish architecture school and be the man that I committed to be in this marriage and in this partnership. I found myself facing the unhealthy patterns of escapism and victimization, you know, not taking ownership of my life. And it took that mental breakdown and Amanda coming to me and loving me unconditionally through that, loving me enough to sit down and say, you need help and encouraging me to find the resources to do so. And I remember you being so resistant to getting that help where one of my patterns came from and I can kind of see on both parts that this is where some of those narcissistic tendencies and I know that word has a lot of stigma and makes a lot of people uncomfortable. We're just talking about tendencies and behaviors here but I can see where a lot of those formed in those months because you know while you were going through such a hard time mentally and all of this was going on I was also still reeling and trying to heal from the infidelity and chronic dishonesty. I mean, you lied about everything, anything and everything you could lie about. You would lie about, you know, having finished eating. You would lie about what time it was. I mean, any and every chance, every day you were getting caught in lies. And it really just started to breed this unhealthy narrative in my mind of, no, it's about me and my pain. And then as that narrative fed, then you would, you know, latch onto that and be like, well, wait, no, it's about me and my pain. And it happened so, you know, subconsciously and so unintentionally, but we started to kind of be these two people who were unhealed and who were unconscious and who had absolutely no fucking idea how to love each other, let alone how to love themselves, and who were dealing with this extremely stressful life of college and, you know, the things with your parents. And at this time, I'm, you know, grinding to pay off, you know, extensive debt and drug fines and finish probation and do hundreds of hours of community service and stay clean and we're poor and living in these roach infested apartments and it just is like the epitome of you know chaos and trauma really and I also really just want to save space here for it's also immense love and you were always and have always been my best friend and it kind of brings us up to moving to Oregon you know we're at that three-year mark and right before we were about to move everything was kind of planned and packed and booked and and we had rented a place here that we'd never even seen and you know moved out here for your first post-school job I didn't even have a job I remember giving you an ultimatum like the week before we moved and just telling you I'm done with this marriage as it is and I can't do this anymore and I can't be in a relationship where at the time I thought, you know, this person's not willing to work on themselves. And the reason I bring this up is because that's kind of the first conscious moment looking back where I see the pattern start of 
it's your responsibility to fix yourself. It's your responsibility to fix this relationship. And we have an entire episode planned on this, but we'll give you a little sneak peek tidbit so you can at least walk away with this today. Some say that the secret to a happy and healthy relationship is to, you know, show up 50-50 and work on the relationship. And we have learned that could not be more false. The secret to a healthy and happy relationship is to show up 100% of the time working on yourself, healing yourself, taking accountability for yourself absolutely the universe is devoid of all meaning everything that happens is subjective and is an opportunity for us to take a look at it and learn the lessons and accept the beauty and love in it and choose the love perception creates reality so this is the kind of the first three years of our relationship so in summary you have two unhealed crazy kids in love we moved to Portland to start a new life because this is another one of the unhealthy patterns that we are now looking at in our consciousness today. We thought that if we just left and left that place behind where the infidelity had happened, where your parents had happened, where my addiction had happened and really came out to Oregon with bright eyes and bushy tails believing this was going to be this beautiful fresh start. And we found that that just wasn't the case. You can't leave things in the past and expect them not to catch up with you eventually. It's the nature of these things to come up and want to be healed. And we will go a little bit into that journey and how we found ourselves back in these same patterns in our next episode when we cover our move to Portland. And before we leave you all today, we want to just kind of leave you with a message of hope. And while our story, especially in those first few years, is trauma and mental health and dishonesty and addiction and infidelity and poverty and all of those things, it is not our story today. And we walk you through this story so that we can reach a place where we can show you that anything can be overcome. And those first three years are pretty typical of common relationships and definitely common relationships that I've had. But they weren't our dark years, believe it or not. Our dark years were the three years that followed that, leading into our awakening and our conscious partnership. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for your time and energy. Thank you for being open enough to consider the possibility that you too can have more loving, conscious relationships if you focus on being conscious and on working on yourself and on addressing those deep-seated patterns that are not serving you or your loved ones. And I want to remind you that you are enough and you have the power and the energy and the ability to fix, heal, and change anything. You can take ownership of your life and your relationships today. 